I am a wayfarer on the waking way just like you. Years ago, in a time of despair, I was given cause to consider my small place in the whole of creation. The old questions that have perplexed us for ages were haunting me as well. Why are we here? Must there be a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings, enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? Like a new day rising, a fervor to understand these things illuminated my inner east. The discoveries along the way have been manifold, malleable, and colorful. Like a kaleidoscope, the teachings and practices I have gathered continue to shift and bend, imprinting on the textures of daily life just as it is. My ministry arrives in the form of sharing this extremely personal, varied, sacred, ordinary way with you. Let us traverse this landscape together as siblings. I pray you will join me for a time. I am your brother Oren, and this is my witness to the wisdom cry of the Dawn Deacon. morning my dear friends it's a cold morning in Louisiana today I got up to go for a pre-dawn walk and decided that a change of scenery might be good so I visited one of our newer walking parks that I haven't been to since the hurricanes hit our area. And I was surprised a few moments ago when the fountains actually came on. I've always liked coming here because of the fountains. The, in the spring, it was always so beautiful. The trees are small because it's a young park, but I know and years to come it's going to be a really beautiful place the hurricane damage is definitely still apparent but it is nice to see the fountains and hear them again you might be able to hear them right now as well as i was on my morning walk i was thinking about a conversation I had several months ago and something that I had stated in that conversation. Do you ever say something and then the energy of the words just sort of carries forward before you realize what you've said? How often does that happen to you? I know it happens to me all the time. And if I'm not careful, I can move past that statement, especially a recorded com in a recorded conversation. 
and kind of move on to the next thing without really sitting with the words. I don't know if that's habit energy, but sometimes, or at least from a particular perspective, I'm starting to feel like that might be insight energy. Essentially what I mean by that is that there's more value in what was stated than what was originally talked about. It's probably why I think there's such high value in sitting down with people and exploring inner territory together or navigating the circumstances of life together because we get to discover things inside of us perspectives that we have or that we're giving harbor to that we don't know are there so I want to talk about one of those today because I've really let my mind soak on it today in the conversation I described someone as being a carved being and the person that interviewed me wanted to go back to that statement and essentially in short what I said was that I believe there are people that are deeply carved into who they are and there's those grooves are so deep that change is almost more difficult or I might have even said impossible that those folks that are carved that deep really have a harder time shifting or adjusting because they're on a, a path now why did I say that I gave my interviewer my friend actually a an answer and it was the truth and I'd like to go into that a little more today or at least talk it out loud with you once when I was a kid my family took us on a trip to Arkansas and on the drive back home we stopped at a, a store like a, uh, a it has a gift shop inside and artifacts from Arkansas you know crystals and things of that nature whenever I walked in the shop I remember I was probably around 10 11 years old I remember being fascinated because there was all these wood carvings in the in the building tree stumps and walking sticks um, plaques to hang on the wall now these weren't routed signs or things like that nature these were hand carved pieces of animals and faces and the things that really fascinated fascinated me the most were the faces in the in the stumps. Even at that young age, I, I was aware that whoever had done these carvings 
had moved along with the grooves of the stumps. Whatever the fiber or texture was in the wood, they worked with it on many pieces, especially the faces of old men and wizards and that their beards and their whiskers and their hair would flow with the grain or the grooves. There were other pieces though that weren't like that at all. Those pieces were just carved to be what they were. Grain be damned. It didn't matter what pattern the grain was in. The, the thing was carved deeply into it, almost in spite of or against the grain. Either way, I think my mother and father could tell that I was fascinated by it. And I remember the person running the shop telling them that they sold wood carving kits. And they even had books about wood carving. So... My parents bought me a basic wood carving kit and a book. And I read the book on the way home. And for a long time, I tried my hand at carving. I remember the learning curve was painful. Anyone that carves wood or is learning to carve wood will note that there are many different tools in a carving kit bowls and scoops and gouges of all shapes and sizes but they were very very sharp but I did I did learn but not without quite a few scarring wounds many of the pieces that I carved as a kid would have some of my blood in the carving. But I do remember when I was learning that you could go too far on a piece. You could get past the point of fixing it. So if you wanted to do a nice eye, an almond-shaped eye with a nice eyelid and leave enough material to form an eye. You didn't want to, you wanted to do that gingerly. And I was young and <laughs> practicing and learning so I often did not leave enough material in those early pieces. There's a lot of carvings that I just threw away. I'm sure that no one in my family probably even remembers me doing that because I mostly carved alone. So when I said that to my friend, that's this person, when I described them as a carved being, I was drawing on that memory of going too far past the point of no return to where the piece 
was what it was going to be. I could continue carving on it, and most of the time I did just to, I, I guess, have muscle memory in my hands for the tools. But I considered those things, almost, those pieces, almost done because I knew I was going to carve something else and use let let the um, practice that I the experience of carving these failed pieces inform my next carving we talked about that for a bit in that conversation and then we moved on but it's been coming back up lately for me anyway one, the idea that we say things sometimes, as I stated at the beginning, and we don't rest with them long enough to know whether it's something we actually believe or not. We don't investigate, or at least I don't investigate always. So one, I think there's value in going back and sitting with those things scratching at them to see if there actually is any insight in a statement or a thought. And two, on sitting with it, I think I actually have found that there is some insight to be shared, to learn from, for me personally, in this idea of a carved being in that conversation, I was talking about someone else, describing them as a carved being. Someone that has been perhaps overwhittled. Too much has been cut away. The features were too deep. There's no real change left to be made. You know, when you carve, carving is only the first part. Then there's sanding and refining. You know, then there's sealing, oiling. So once a carving is done, it's further entrenched in the beautification and preservation process. And that, I felt a little sting of regret for having said that about someone without turning that same statement back on myself. Am I a carved being? Do I have gouges so deep that they are past the point of repair and if I do can I make the best out of them can they inform the future carvings that are being made on me it's something I really want to think about and have been thinking about especially this morning for some reason there's a lot of splintered tree stumps around the park, piles of wood 
left over from the storms that still need to be recovered or ground down. And maybe it was the textures in some of that splintered wood that triggered this for me. But I noticed my mind was trying to find the faces in the wood this morning. I wonder how many other people that I have carved in my mind where I have cast them into a mold where I said this is your face these are your carvings these are the cuts and gouges the scoops that have been made and you are who you are did I leave enough material in my mind for them am I the carver though too it goes without saying that we all live our lives and have our gouges and our grooves sometimes they're made with the grain of life and sometimes they go against it they stand out more but in reflecting on this I see that I'm also doing that carving too on others just as I did when I was a child sometimes there's a misstep when I carve someone when I'm trying to form them make their true face sometimes I gouge myself sometimes I scoop flesh out of my own hand sometimes it's my blood that I cover them in and their face is made askew different in the way I see it because I'm covering them with me it is such an easy thing to do to carve beings whittle them down, reduce them to what we think they are, their final form. But in meditating on this, I hope I'm going to learn that we are all a lot more unfinished than we think we are. And there's a lot more material left in others yet to be shaped than I have allowed. Another element of the whole thing that I thought about this morning was that final stage after all of the carving and gouging and scooping and shaping is done was the sanding, the smoothing. It was such a delicate process. And I failed at it many times, but some of these deeply carved faces, these 
faces in the wood with rough edges in time with a little sanding aren't so rough anymore they don't they don't rub against our fingers the wrong way when we run them over the textures and of course the preservation process and beautification rubbing oil waxes stains those things were always done to not only preserve but to br bring out the the natural fibers the natural grain in the wood and I always found it made them more beautiful something happened it was almost like magic when the face would begin to really emerge after after going through that process I still remember those pieces in that store those tree stumps and I was fascinated by the different colors and how the faces really had depth they seemed to want to speak So my point is, even on with deeply carved beings, whether it's others or ourselves, even if the materials have been lost and there's no going back, there are still things that can be done to make each of us more beautiful and reveal in the revealing of our natural grains and textures. In reflecting on what I had originally stated about someone being a carved being, I, I regret that I almost made that statement in a negative light, saying they were done. Their value had been determined and there was no further no, 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 nothing else to be gleaned from them they had almost no hope what a terrible thing really this doesn't mean I don't mean to say that we should ignore the features that are there when someone shows you their true face in the wood their carved being as I stated we carve ourselves some people shape themselves to be a certain way and then because they've shaped themselves into whatever they fashioned themselves into it grooves on our lives it builds trenches sometimes against the grain leave scars if you will other people are shaping us too they're carving on us so I'm not advocating disregarding what's plainly before us especially if it affects us when we encounter other beings but Perhaps I'm softening my perspective on the whole issue.
or maybe just the way I imprint on other people of the carvings I've made of them. I want people to allow me the space to still form in their minds. So I want to be able to carve gently if I carve at all on other people and not take too much out too quickly. something to think about I know I will be thank you for joining me on this dawn walk may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness may all beings remain free from suffering and the causes of suffering may all beings rejoice in the well-being of others May all beings live in peace, free from greed and hatred.